Hello, Chelsea fans. Welcome back to the Roman's Empire podcast. Today's a somber day, huh, Sam? Somber? Is that supposed to be a pun? Very somber. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, I guess that was it, definitely not planned. Yeah, but you know, that, that just like you getting know, two red cards in the first game of the season. Yeah, you know, I always like to take a somber uh, situation, try to brighten the day with a little bit of a joke, you know, but yeah, yeah. that just came naturally. I guess it did. Well, we're back. And uh, like I said, not such a good week this week, but we're going to dive into that match a little bit later. We're also going to talk about um, some of the new transfer rumors and developments. Also, that really fiery Diego Costa interview Mm -hmm. that seemed to rub a lot of people the wrong way. There's a lot of there's a lot of things rubbing people the wrong way this week. Yeah, it's like Diego Costa's interview, Charlottesville, Barcelona, the Twitter of a certain someone who shall not be named. Right? I mean... It's a very hectic week, yes. Extremely um, hectic. By the way, I just wanted to point out, um, I know this is a couple of days after the game, and so, you know, a lot of our takes might be, you know, it, it might have been a little bit better a couple of days ago, uh, but, you know, we usually put out our episodes on Fridays, but starting next week, we'll be putting out our episodes on Mondays. So uh, expect that from mm-hmm. us. Or Monday Tuesdays. nights. Yeah, Tuesdays, Pacific, actually. Pacific, or Tuesday mornings, Yeah, it'll right? be Tuesday mornings. Yeah. We're recording Monday night, posting Tuesday, so. Tuesday mornings, Pacific time. Oh, yeah, so that would be, like, nighttime for yeah. Yeah. everyone in England. So then, technically, anyone in this week's listening. podcast is pretty late, like a Gary <laughs> oh, Cahill yeah. challenge? Yeah. Ah, okay. Ooh. So, moving on. Um, Let's talk about the Burnley match. Do we have to? <laughs> I wish we didn't. All right. So diving Look, right in, I mean, we have to start off by you know prefacing this with before anything, you know, no Hazard, mm-hmm. no Victor Moses, no Pedro. All right, just Bakayoko. No Bakayoko. Okay, that's the, before we get into anything. That's that's that was how we started the game off. But all right? but still, I and we're gonna talk about this. Like I don't see that as an excuse as to why what happened happened like okay. it doesn't make sense so before we get into it let's uh let's just remind everyone of the starting lineup so courtois on goal um cahill david luis and rudiger making his premier league debut on the right side of that back three mm-hmm. um dave uh as a right wing back along with alonzo on the opposite side Conte and fabregas in the middle um jeremy boga got the got the starting nod quick start which was (laughs) quick start quick finish um but which was you know it it was it was exciting um willian on the right wing batshuayi up top as striker Uh um we had morata on the bench um christensen on the bench who made an appearance we we, we talked about it last week that we'd rather see batshuayi start because of you know, he's, his form, he's in form was in obviously we kind of regret that statement. He definitely was in form. So, um, we actually looked pretty encouraging up until Cahill got, uh, got shown the door in the 14th minute. So let's, let's first talk about that challenge. So I'd love to. there's a lot of, there's a lot of debate, um, whether that was a real yellow card or if it was a red card offense. Um, I know Mark Clattenburg recently retired premier league referee um for those for those of you that don't know he uh he refereed the uefa champions league final um the past couple years he also um officiated the uh the final of the euros top class top class he's he's probably like in my opinion i mean he's he's probably like the most household name when it comes to referees Um, yeah at least in the modern yeah at least the ones that are still employed um so yeah let's so what 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 about him he said um i don't have the quote in front of me but he used the term you know there's some challenges that are yellow some challenges are red and mm-hmm. some challenges are orange and as a referee you can't you can't second guess yourself and if you're unsure of a challenge and if you're unsure a challenge is a red card then you have to issue a yellow 100 percent. and a lot of people are saying that that challenge was warranted for an orange card i mean like like I, I understand what he's saying but look here's the bottom line and this is my opinion he shouldn't have been in the position he was in he's not a dribbler he's all the way in the opposition's final third loses yeah. the ball lunges into a tackle whether he makes contact or not his studs were showing yeah that's a leg breaking challenge he should have known better obviously mm-hmm. but i mean 
I'm just comparing that. I mean, to the Harry Kane tackle. I don't know if you saw that. Oh my gosh, that was, and he only got a yellow he for that. He should have sent off. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the scissor kick, pretty much, he did. Yeah, uh, it was a com- yeah, yeah. Compared to what, um, you know, especially 14th minute, first game, our captain. You know, it he should know like the the impact that I was gonna have on the rest of the game and really the disadvantage we'll have, and he should have known that you know making this kind of call is gonna have this kind of backlash. You know, looking back, I'm sure that he probably wouldn't give it a red again. I mean, he was appalling on a day though. Like, oh yeah, just, I mean, just, just not terrible. just that one call, but like, but but like, here's the thing. Like, I'm gonna go on a little bit of a rant here. So, Cahill's challenge was a red card. I mean, I think. By the rule book, it was a red card. The rules state if it's a reckless challenge and his studs are showing and he leaves his feet, that's a red card. It's a red card offense. I'm not I'm I'm not debating that. Yeah. I think it's a red card offense. But you also have to con- take into consideration if you're a referee in the English Premier League, if you take the rule book verbatim, mm-hmm. there would be a lot more sending offs. A lot more yellow cards. Yeah, context is everything. You I mean, have you to know, take for this things kind of out thing. of context. So, my first point: Gary Cahill is not a dirty player. So that challenge right. wasn't retaliation. Mm-hmm. It wasn't to spark anything. He wasn't trying it wasn't to start a recurring theme. No, you know? it no. wasn't. It's not something we see from Cahill. That's one. Two is you got to look at the context of the actual match itself. First game of the Premier League season. You're you're a new referee that doesn't have a very good reputation amongst other referees, mm-hmm. and you're going to Stamford Bridge, the home of the champions, for the opening match of the season. In the 14th minute, a challenge like that happens. You give a yellow card. You pull them aside. You say, hey, you got away with one. You're on a tightrope for the rest of the match. 100%. If good referee would do that, but he didn't, and it happened earlier in the match with Alonzo. Went into a challenge. He was really quick to pull out his yellow card, and like and, – and, 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 and I'm sorry, like, like I know I'm interrupting you, but I, I got to get this off my chest. There was a challenge right after the Cahill red card where Willian was dribbling. I, th- I think Willian just received the ball and someone came and slid right through mm-hmm. the back of him. And the whole the, – the, the crowd was going crazy. Like, like, you got a yellow? No. Oh, no. It was, was a Burnley player. Uh-huh. He walked off without even – he just got a talking to and walked off. There's no consistency with the referee. If you're going to give a yellow card to Marcus Alonso for a challenge like that, then you have to give a yellow yeah, card for a challenge plays, like that. 100%. Uh, and, and that's the thing. I don't think the fans were, were 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 mad at the time of that Cahill got sent off. I think they were pretty accepting of that because looking at it live, it did look like a red card. It okay. looked a lot worse live than it does in slow-mo, but it was a red card. But you're going back to that other challenge. I think the fans just felt like there was a sense of injustice. I don't know. I still I still don't think – I mean if it's strictly studs up that you got to say red card, I mean we're going strictly by the rule book, then yeah, sure. But I still think like, you know, just the way, you know, he lost the ball and just, you know, it was a reaction play, trying to get it back. And, you know, I really don't think that it was warranted for a red card. And like 100% with – like deep downside, I really don't think so. I mean, don't even get me started. I'm not trying to, yeah. Don't oh, even yeah. get me started on the Fabregas yellow. The, like, okay, that first one. I mean, that's silly. That was Fabregas's part. It was silly. I was irritated at Fabregas at the time, but then I thought about it, and it's the same exact thing. Like, first of all, you shouldn't be clapping back at the referee. We've seen players get yellows for dissent before. Yeah, but you're a leader on that team as well. It's your responsibility to set an example. I think he knew that the referee was crap, mm-hmm. but. And on the same token, the referee should go up to him and say, hey, cut that shit out. You're going to get a yellow next time, and we'll call it a day, right? But he didn't. He went straight to his book, pulled out a yellow. And the funny thing is, he got booked for clapping sarcastically after he got fouled. Fabregas yeah. got fouled, clapped sarcastically at the wrong. referee, and the referee got butthurt and gave him a yellow card. As a referee, you got to have thicker skin. But again... The but rule, yeah, Fabregas should have known better again. But, based on the rules, I mean, and the second, the second yellow, it was close. But I think that it was a yellow. Yeah, he, it, he, it was. He deserved to get sent off at that point. Yeah, at that point he did. I think, I honestly think that challenge was like sort of an orange card situation, like Klattenberg was um, saying. But since he already had a yellow, but since he already he had gone, a yellow, yeah. you might as well send him off. I mean, yeah, the first yellow is the is what you know really. The other, the other thing that 
like I you know before we move on from this referee talk because I don't want to make this whole podcast about the referee. <laughs> four minutes of extra time? Are you kidding me? Oh my god! There should have been at least six or seven. And like I'm not saying that as a biased Chelsea fan. I'm saying that as someone who watched the someone game, someone that watches the <laughs> actual eyes. Game. Yeah, like, me too. Like four minutes of extra time was the first part that pissed me off, and the second part, Burnley's keeper is it, is it is it a uh, Tom Heaton is his name? Mm-hmm. I think so. that's his name. Yeah. Well. Burnley's keeper took forever to take a goal kick in extra time, and the referee just kept waving him. Let's go, let's go, let's go. He f- and you're supposed to give yellow cards for that. How is that not time wasting? Like it, it just it baffles me. It, it really does. I think I think it was a really poor performance on the referees on the referees part. Hopefully the association cracks down on him. We'll see the next time he gets a big match, but I don't anticipate him getting a big match anytime no, soon no, because definitely that was just that was a joke of a performance by yeah. a shitty referee that I never want to see again. I think Conte's reaction to that four minute of extra time it said says it enough. All. Yeah, says said enough. It all. They had to hold him back. I mean But with that being said, you know, you have to take into consideration we put ourselves in that position. Yeah. Cahill went into that challenge and picked up the red. We put ourselves in a position where we were ten men down. We didn't react well to it in the first half. We came out in the second half and looked really lively. But I mm-hmm. want to talk about our first substitution that we made. Mm-hmm. So after Cahill gets a red card, Conte throws Christensen on. Um, does this show a lack of squad depth? I mean, he didn't go for at the back and throw on an attacker. He kind of stuck. You, some say he sticks with the system. Mm-hmm. But I honestly thought it was a lack of squad depth. I mean, what's your take on that? Uh, I think for when we, you know, when you go down a player that early, that um, – it would be smart to, you know, play four back and, you know... Kind of go for it. I mean, against a team like Burnley. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, to be completely honest, like, I, I, I didn't disagree with what Conte did because um, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think that, you know, the way that we played last year with the system... If it don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, trust um, in the system. Exactly. More so than I wasn't very, situation. you know, I, yeah, I, I didn't really take it. You know, I mean, there really are two types of managers. I mean, there's the managers that are that stick to their system mm-hmm. no matter what, and there's managers that are situational and adapt. Right. But that's the thing. I think Conte really showed, uh, the ability to adapt last year. I mean, a lot of times he went three five two, and we looked great. But in a match like this, I mean, I honestly thought maybe. If we had another wing back, if Victor Moses was healthy, it might have been a different story. Yeah. But if we had another wing back, maybe put Dave back to his natural right position, his, his right center back, and put on another winger, and you know maybe take off Boga and just play Michi and William next to each other. I mean, I don't know. That that remains to be seen. But um, speaking of Michi, like we we said a lot of good things about him in the last couple of weeks. And I still love him as a player. Mm-hmm. I love him as a as a Twitter fiend. I think he's awesome on Twitter and social media. But yeah, he 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 went on Twitter and took credit and you know for I mean not credit but he he took the blame. Yeah, he took the blame and he he was saying that you know he understands how that he's been playing poorly. But um, but do you? But I'm kind of like divided on that. Like, do you? I think I mean we've been we've said this a lot of times, and I I I will still stick to this. I think that Batshuayi is a different player when he's playing by himself as opposed to having a second striker next to him. Yeah. He plays off of them either as a scorer or as the, you know, this, the guy giving the ball up. Yeah. Batshuayi did such an awful job holding the ball up. I don't think he, he held the ball up one time. I mean, we I were mean, to bring the, I mean, he had the ball for one second and they stole from him. We weren't able to push up at all. I mean, he, he just, he couldn't bring others into play. And, right. and that was a problem. And like, when it's it just was, up him by himself. It's it's. it's it was frustrating because, like, again, the team didn't perform that terribly. Like, Willian had an awesome game. Yeah. I thought Marcus Alonso played really well. I thought Christensen and Rudiger. We'll get to talking about them later. I thought they did great. Conte is starting to look more like himself. He's still not there yet, but I didn't think he had a howler. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so split on Batshuayi because we see him some games and he's fantastic. Like, like he he performs well. He scores goals. But then there's other games, and I think it's the games he starts in. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just not that type of player. I mean, maybe he is. Maybe he should be a leader of a bench mob somewhere. Like, maybe that is his role. I mean, every time that 
we've put him in the situation where he comes off the bench, he's thrived. He's thrived. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, so we, from what we've seen. Some players are just cut from that cloth. Like, it, it's normal. And, like, any professional that's not a, sport And that's, also. that's a, actually a very important player to have on your team. Yeah, You know, when the team is, you know, getting a little bit tired towards the end of the game, you need a goal scorer. Maybe. Put him in. That's, that's exactly. I mean, that's kind of that's that's kind of the role that Murata played for uh, Real last year. You know, he didn't start. Fabregas played for us, too. Right, yeah. You yeah. know, and, you know, you know, with with this bad performance by Bashuai, I think that, you know, in this whole bad game, there's still a silver lining. <laughs> That's the only word we could use to describe it, huh? Just bad? Bad, I'm yeah. sorry. Is it, no, poor, no, no, no. Piss poor. No, 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 I'm serious. Like, like Rubbish, I think that's another word. That, just bad. But there's a silver lining, because yeah. when Bashuai was taken out, thank God, Murata's debut was... A really un- good one. ...was beautiful. And you know, I mean, it was a, it was a work of art, and it brought hope to Chelsea fans. You know, yeah. like so he he should have he almost scored two goals, and the uh, assisted one, a beautiful the flick on to David Luiz, which I mean, with David Luiz finishing that, which was you know a blessing also. But I thought that you know he held the ball up way better than Batshuayi. Yeah. He timed his runs like I mean that one William goal. I mean, oh, I mean, the Willian pass to him. Oh, that was... Yeah. The second I saw that, that goal was just so Cristiano Ronaldo-esque. Like, uh-huh. when, I saw that, when I saw him making that run, I mean, that's the type of run Cristiano Ronaldo makes. I'm talking about the older Cristiano He must have been Ronaldo. taking notes last year. <laughs> I mean, no, but that's the thing. You train with top-class players, uh-huh. and you, you pick and choose little things that you want to take from them. Another thing I want to note is that flick-on. And I know I'm doing a lot of comparisons today, but I'm sitting right in front of a DDA Drogba poster right now. And the last time we had a striker that could play flicks on like that and win balls in the air and create in the air was King DDA, right? Like mm-hmm. it was it was really nice to see. And it wasn't only that. He held the ball up. He linked up play. And he didn't look like he was out of shape like how Conte says, no, right? No, but, but see, he here's did, the he thing. Is, I, think, I think he's fit. But he's still in between moving from Madrid and London. So he's going back and forth, taking his belongings and finding a place to live and things like that. Like he's 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 doing a lot in terms of travel. So, you know, yes, you know, Conte was maybe he was wrong to st- to take Murata off the bench. But at the same time, what if Batshuayi played well? Then we wouldn't be saying this. No. We would be saying Conte's a genius. <laughs> so I think it's I think it's. I didn't give, but I'm not giving a hope on Batshuayi either. No, I no, mean, no, no. Not you have by two any bad means. games, and I mean that would be unfair for him. Like, no, to, no, no, especially I, the way that he's he played last year and this preseason. Preseason is definitely a different animal than the Premier League right. season. And last right. year we were fortunate enough to see Victor Moses translate his preseason form to the season. Yeah, but with Batshuayi, it looks like he's might be going backwards. Still one, I mean, I mean. It, it technically was two game. He did not play well during the Community Shield as well. So oh, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I, it would be unfair to. I want to see him and Morata play together because yeah. Morata could be a supplier, definitely. Which and is I, also I mean, yeah, really needs, nice. I'd love. To, I mean, like I said, he needs to play alongside someone. But I think at this point, it's kind of guaranteed right now that Morata going forward is our guy. He is our guy, hundred percent. Yeah. Like, well, you don't go out and spend seventy million plus on someone. Yeah, I think we already knew that before, but be it kind of. It, rammed it in a little bit harder i mean there's one player who was our guy last year and clearly wasn't our guy this last match mm-hmm. i thought he was the poorest player on the pitch um david luis yeah. so quick quick story on my relationship with david luis <laughs> his first stint at chelsea i could not stand him i didn't un- I, I didn't understand the <laughs> way he played um i didn't think he I, I I just didn't think he was good enough to be on Chelsea. And I was kind of glad when we sold him and sold him for $50 million at the time, which was great. Last year, we bought him on the last day of the window. People were laughing at us. I thought it was a joke. Mm-hmm. I thought it was some kind of sick joke. Um, but he, he, he was arguably player of the season on our squad. I mean, like, you, you could have that debate. And part of that reason... Part of the reason why that happened is because he had Cahill and Azpilicueta protecting him on e- on either side. So basically, David Luiz was being protected by two of our best defenders, so he cannot be David Luiz. Like, but he turned into David Luiz this match. Yeah, and it was appalling. Like it was losing the ball. He was he, his misplacing passes 
constantly getting caught out of position and missing his marks, allowing, missing allowing his, the goal. I mean, I mean, he's he's the leader in the back when Cahill when Cahill got sent off because Azpilicueta wasn't playing back there. So he's supposed to be the leader. He's supposed to be the guy to step up, pull people by their shirts and say, hey, get your shit together, pick up your mark, connect your passes, do your job. He wasn't doing that. He looked really out of place. And I thought Sam Vokes, especially, he really, he, he dominated him in the air. And and that's David Luiz's biggest weakness besides his mental side of the game, when, you know, when he decides to dribble players and whatnot. Yeah. He's really poor in the air. And it's something that I don't think a lot of Chelsea fans talked about because he was protected because Cahill's probably one of the best defenders I've ever seen in the air. Yeah. I mean, he's he's Big, ridiculous. He's, yeah. Dave is really good for his size. Um, and, you know, he, he did get protected last year with Marcus Alonso and Matic too. But this is this – is, I don't want to say it's time to worry about David Luiz, but – when he's not in that back three, when he's not in the middle of that back three, especially with Cahill and with Cahill and Aspie, Aspie, yeah, he just looks exposed. I mean, maybe he'll come good with Rudiger and Christensen, but whether they get more time or not is like it still remains to be seen. But he was the one player that stuck out for me that I just I I threw up in my mouth every time he 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 touched the ball or every time he got involved in play because I mean I feel like if if the other team has any strong you know player that's powerful in the air like you know as a striker then it, it, there's no hope for him to defend against them he's just gonna get dominated especially when there's no cahill or Aspie in the middle i think it's just like you know written in stone and sam vokes you know was, was exactly you know was did exactly that he i mean we took advantage of him and yeah i mean we, we we talked about this before the podcast lower you know the bottom half of the table teams and mid-table teams their teams aren't as cohesive as, you know, the top seven, let's say. Yeah. But their teams are full of specialists. So on every, you know, mid to lower table team, you're going to have a guy who's really good in the air. They're going to have a defender that just stamps on people for a living. And you're going to have a guy that's really good on set pieces. And that's exactly what Burnley had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Brady destroyed us on set pieces. And Sam Vokes destroyed us with his specialty, which is you know, getting the ball in the air and putting it in the back of the net. I mean, that's mm-hmm. all he's good for. And they exploited us. I mean, you got to tip your hat to to Sean Dyche because most of the match, Sam Vokes was pinned to David Luiz. And he was picking him out every single time. I mean, he bossed him that match. And it's something, it's just something to look out for, you know? It, it was something that... Chelsea fans were a little bit, I think, I mean, at least you and I were always had that in the back of our mind, a little bit worried about that. It was definitely that. subconscious, you yeah. know, just like, you know, that hopefully that David Luis of, of old doesn't come back, you know, but He's we'll always, talk about it later. Yeah. We'll talk about it later about, you know, possibly moving him to center defensive mid, but, um, well, for just for the Tottenham match. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, let's talk a little bit about Jeremy Boga. Uh, oh, he, poor guy. We talked about it earlier how he got uh, subbed out for Christensen. And uh, on his Premier League debut, um, you know, I, I feel bad for him because, uh, you know, he, when you're a young player and, you, and you're, you know, looking for some playing time and you get to start the first game of the season, uh, it's kind of sad to see him, you know, taken out so quickly. Um, yeah, but and I something re- that was completely out of his control. Of course, yeah. But, you know, I, I do hope that later down this season he'll get more opportunities. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think he will. It was just the, the, the situation that the game was in. I mean, two guys that did get their opportunity and played well, and I, I really want to talk about them. And I was looking forward to talking about them on the pod. Mm-hmm. I'm really impressed with uh, what we saw from Christensen and Rudiger. Um, I want to start with Rudiger first. You talk, yeah, you He's talk about extremely him. athletic. More athletic than people were giving him credit for, I think. Um, but Zuma esque, <laughs> Zuma esque athleticism. Honestly, like like those long legs. He's 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 very strong. Um, he's very commanding. He's very definitive when he tackles. But another thing I liked is he was showing off his range of passing. And we're not talking about simplified, you know, little you know switching balls to you know the other side of the pitch or playing it to David Luiz and just swinging it back and forth. No, I'm talking about. You know, 50, 60-yard clipped balls, 
you know, with a nice little back spit on that it. center backs don't normally have in no. their arsenal. No, no, no. So this is really nice. To yeah, see. It, and I was just really impressed with him. I thought he was probably behind Willian and Morata, the most encouraging player on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe behind Willian and Morata, just because he's not a glamour player. Yeah, I think you know it's a consequence, but you know, I I, I like him. I think for thirty million, just based on that performance, that's a bargain. Yeah, I think it's safe to say, and maybe it's too soon to talk, but based on that performance alone, thirty million in this transfer market—that's a hell of a deal. It's a really good deal. But you know, I'm really excited. I mean, I'm, I was talking to my cousin who is a—he lives in Rome and he's a big Roma fan. He has nothing but good things to say about Tony, Rudy. About Rudy, yeah, yeah. See, that's kind of cool. That's his nickname. Yeah, see, that's, that. <laughs> see, that's kind of cool. But you know. Christensen came on and he did equally as well. Yeah, he played really, um, really well. He doesn't have that and, and we talked about this before. My only concern with him is he doesn't have that Premier League center back build. He doesn't look the part as much as he plays the part. Like, I mean, if you if, have to see him in the match, you know, actually playing, moving the ball around. Again, another guy who's really technical, ball playing center back, but he's also positionally so aware and he's so calm. I saw a little bit of John Terry in there. In possession especially, he didn't look phased. There's no way that I would have, like, if I just watched him play a little bit after they put him in, there's no way that I would have known that they put him in at center back because I felt like he was past the half field line so much. And Well, yeah. He was, he well, well, he was playing a lot of right back once we went to four at the back. Yeah, but and I mean... He, and he played it well. Still, yeah, I wouldn't even know... But he had, you know, one shot almost on target that, you know, Murata touched last second that it was called uh, offsides whether I, that was going in or not i don't think it was going in but just the fact that he's making that ball in i think is so great it's encouraging i mean it shows he's he's comfortable going forward like i said i don't think he looks phased that mm-hmm. he's playing in a premier league i think his time is now I, I i really do think he's primed to to eventually step into a more important role with, yeah. with this Chelsea. and team. i think that we have been you know a little bit you know, haven't been speaking so much about it, but kind of worried about this loss, the loss of JT and what that's going to mean for the future of Chelsea. Uh, I think this is taking a huge weight off of our shoulders and mm-hmm. it's kind of a sigh of relief. And I yeah. think Chelsea fans should be comfortable for our future because uh, these two um, are really going to round out that center back. I mean, just our defense in general. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you look at David Luiz and you look at Cahill, two of our most experienced players, um, two guys that, a lot of fans um, tip to be captains, but obviously Cahill got the armband. But <laughs> David Luiz could easily be captain of this club. But, you know, they had terrible games. And you look at Rudiger and Christensen, and they both come on um, with, you know, Christensen has some Premier League experience, but not a lot. But Rudiger comes on for his debut, and they, they looked the part. Like, I don't know how else to say it. I'm extremely excited. And as a former center back myself, mm-hmm. like, like it's 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 exactly what you want. It's it's a type of response you want from the players on your bench. So and, and some more good news to come from that. That means that we can now be a little more comfortable playing Aspie as a winger. I mean a, a wing back. You know that's another that's a debate for another day. But, but I don't, still we don't have to rely on him to be center mm-hmm. back every night. I I I was always a believer in Aspie is our yes man and he could play wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still do think that. But I didn't think he had a good match at all against Burnley either. I mean, he can't cross. He couldn't cross the ball that match. Um, whether that was situational, um, whether it was because Burnley played with you know nine center backs, um, <laughs> I I don't know what it was, but I don't know. I I do think that there's a lot of positives to take away from this match. Um, you know, I I don't think it's all doom and gloom from here on out. Yeah, but. I think uh to end this on the positive note, let's review all the positive things. Murata, uh, Rudiger and Christensen's mm-hmm. performance. William had a very good performance as Marco well. Marco Alonso's, you know, just I think that he had a huge step up from how he mm-hmm. looked last year. Um, at, at least offensively, I mean, he he was running up the wing i mean the wing he he was doing well so many sides. nice a lot know. of energy that match yeah i mean and i wish he didn't balls. get the yellow so early because he, he got kind of timid yeah. in his tackles he's actually he's actually a pretty hard tackler you know that's not something that people like you know usually make synonymous with marco Alonso's name but he's actually 
a really good slide. Ta- like he's really he times his slide tackles very well. He's strong in the tackle. You very rarely see him get barged off the ball. So yeah, we we started off the season with a loss, but We're, still a lot to look forward it's to one this game. upcoming season. And I just want to remind everyone: we remember Arsenal last year. We remember Liverpool last year. And then next thing you know, Conte makes a little formation adjustment, and we go eleven games unbeaten. Yeah, and that tells you everything you need to. know I mean, about really, the last season we did not start off looking that well. And the only reason why we were winning games was because of Diego, Diego Costa, you know, scoring magical goals at the end. So, I mean, if we're worried about how we look right now, uh, we can look back to last season and kind of remember how we looked at the start of the last season. You know, it, it takes it takes a little bit to, that's to get a, going. That's a good natural segue. So, um, <laughs> Diego Costa's interview. I mean, I, mean, I, I really want to talk about this. I... I read the whole interview. Um, you could check it out on Sports Mail. Um, I was offended, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, it was very interesting. It was extremely so. Say. You know, one thing that stood out to me, um, he he criticized Conte's relationship with his players, and he said, "Like I respect him as a coach, but he quote lacks charisma." Um, are you? That's that's such bullshit. The first thing I thought of... It sounds like he's a little bitter, but yeah. No, because if he lacked charisma, then none of the players would have listened to him last season when he decided to change the formation. And Conte is a very structured manager. He gives his players a certain set of instructions, and he expects them to do just that. He relies... His managerial style relies a lot on the players trusting him. So how could you have players trust you and lack charisma at the same time? It's just... It just seems like... A bit of hypocrisy on Diego Costa's part. Someone that's very salty that he keeps getting fined a week's wage every single time he doesn't show up to training. Yeah, I mean, and listen to this quote. Speaking of hypocrisy, I am waiting for Chelsea to set me free. I didn't want to leave. I was happy. When the manager does not want you, you have to go. Um, Are you calling bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, I didn't want to leave. I mean, we, we even talked about this on our first episode, how... Um, once he got those offers from China, and you know he, we thought he was gone. But even after he didn't leave, his performance w- went way down because obviously he was thinking about that. I mean, he always spoke. N- he always speaks about Atletico as well. Yeah, and that's not normal. And posting for pictures with him in his in the jersey, like what is obviously he knows what that means. I mean, this whole situation is is kind of a headache. Um, it's a bummer that um. We can't have him playing with us. No, uh, I think he's a. I think he's cancerous to yeah. the locker room, uh, to the dressing room, locker room, whatever you call it. I, I just, I think he's a cancer in yeah. that aspect, and it's unfortunate. He would have been great to have on the team, but just the whole, his whole attitude and everything that he brought to the team, and just the, the way he changed, you know, midway through last season, his demeanor. Everything it it's it, it's not good for the team. So supposedly he's going to take Chelsea to court. And I'm really curious to see how that ends up because I think the club in a, in a courtroom is just going to eat him alive. And I think they're going to make his life miserable. He has two years left on his contract. Chelsea does not have an obligation to sell him. As, they don't as have a, to sell him. They could make his life a living hell if they wanted to. As a person who is starting law school in th- four days... Uh, I can say right now that Diego Costa stands no chance against Chelsea in court. I mean, he doesn't really have a chance. I, I mean, mean I really whatever way you want to put it, Diego Costa versus Chelsea, Diego Costa versus Abramovich, you know, it's it, it, it it's not going to turn out well for him. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea's probably going to counter sue. It's going to be a whole headache for I me. Mean, and then, you know, obviously Chelsea's got way more resources than um, than Diego Talking Costa does. lawyering up. Yeah, you know. I I thought Gabby said something interesting today. Um, you know, former teammate of Diego Costa, obviously, probably one of the most respected captains, you know, amongst Europe's top five leagues. But basically, what Gabby said is, you know, he needs to respect the badge. Mm-hmm. He needs to leave Chelsea on a good note, and it's true. I mean, the club is not going to even consider the idea of negotiating a deal for Diego Costa. Unless he shows up to training, he gets fit, and he plays ball. I mean, th- that's literally all he has to do. They're asking you to show up to training. And he doesn't have to play in the game. And he just, just has sit to show there up. on the bench yeah. with a nice smile on your face for a week or two. 
wait till, you know, your time comes and then we'll gladly ship you off. Do you, I mean, this is a love hate relationship since, since he joined the club. I love him on the pitch, but off the pitch, the guy's a fucking baby. I'm, I'm very, I'm so done with him. I really want this, uh, holes i'm really you know it's, it's kind of exciting to see how how this is going to end mm-hmm. but i really do want it to end i need i think Diego costa just needs to shut his mouth uh he needs to swallow his pride he needs to stop acting so immature mm-hmm. um he needs to go to training camp so that chelsea can you know so basically if he does this he gets what he wants yeah but since he's he's so immature and he's stubborn he's it it doesn't make any sense. So yep. you know, let, let's or let's work together, Diego. Yeah. Let's make a deal for both. And of you us. know, there's never one toxic uh, situation without another one. And you know, the press has been blowing this. I think they've been blowing this a bit out of proportion. Um, the last couple of weeks, we had Cahill, Dave, and Conte have all voiced their frustration at Chelsea's uh, transfer activity. Um, who needs to take responsibility? Like. And and is this even a crisis? I mean, the way I see it is to s- a lot of people are saying we had a poor transfer window. And I urge those people to take a step back and look at the players we brought in. Um, no, we didn't add to our squad, but we replaced all of the players that departed with adequate replacements and in some positions, better replacements. Um, we didn't use John Terry last year. I'm not saying Rudiger's better than John Terry by any means, but we didn't use JT last year, um, mainly because he didn't fit the system. He we brought in well. a center back that fits the system. Bakioko in the long term is going to be an upgrade on Matic. I genuinely think that, and he's seven years younger. Um, we brought in Murata, who it was one of the most sought after strikers this transfer window. Um, we brought in Caballero for free, who's in my opinion, one of the best backup goalkeepers in the Premier League. We did. We are doing good so far, but just because we don't have that squad depth now, the media seems to, you know, force this crisis. I'm using my air quotes again. <laughs> you know, amongst all the Chelsea fans, and they're just. I think I, I think they get a kick out of it. I think we just had. I think this is just bad timing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if we didn't uh, loan out Matic. Um, sell him, you mean? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> if we didn't, yeah, if we didn't sell Matic, then I think that we would have a completely different outcome in this past game, and we'd be talking completely different about. I think Matic right would have started that. Match. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, but mm-hmm. and then and we wouldn't even be talking, having this conversation right now. We would have played three, you know, Bakioko's out. When he comes back, he's gonna you know fill that role, like you said. Um, I believe as well better than Matic. Um. We are obviously we're missing Hazard. We didn't. We're missing Pedro. Um, Victor Moses was out. I think that um, it's way too early to panic. Um, I did kind of you know prelude last week saying that you know I had like some deja vu from 2015, and you know if we lost this first game, I would get really worried, and you know it would kind of remind me. But you know, look, that was that's in the moment. Looking back now. Um, you know, we, we still have a lot to look forward to. Like I I said, it's, it's one match. Yeah. And last year we had a run of bad results and we still wound up premier league champions. If this, it, 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 regardless of our transfer situation and our squad situation, if we went in to the Burnley match and just crushed them, like everyone was expecting three, four nil. Would people still be having this conversation? No, I don't think so. Not. And the with thing the same is, exact team as well. Also, we got a we got a brilliant manager. As of now, we have a squad that's thin, but a squad that has a lot of quality. We have Hazard coming back from injury. Bakayoko's back in training. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried, and I think people just need to chill, chill the fuck out. Yeah, the media, of... the media is the devil right now, and mm-hmm. and it and it always rears its ugly head. If it sees, if the media sees one foul situation, they'll blow it completely out of proportion. I don't know how many times I've seen a report that says the board is fed up with Conte in all caps, or it says Conte on a tightrope with the board, or you know, uh, Chelsea in crisis. Look, take a step back. We're the, we're still the champions of England. 
we lost one match. Maybe we have a good result against Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Maybe string together two or three more good results. Maybe Man City drops points. Maybe Man United drops points. All of a sudden, we're back in the game. I mean, it's it's simple. There's 37 matches left, <laughs> and yeah. and people are already up in arms. Yeah, everyone just needs to relax. I don't think there's any other way we can put it. Yeah, I mean, it's really simple. And, you know, there, there is good news coming out of the club. I mean, Bakayoko and Hazard returned to full training on Tuesday um, and supposedly participated in a U23 match this week as well. So um, will they be available for the Tottenham game? Probably not. Um, I saw a report that said Bakayoko is a possibility. I hope that's not true because I don't want to rush a player back. I don't want someone to play injured. I yeah. I would rather have a healthy player who doesn't play that position, playing in in that center midfield role next to Conte, than an injured Bakayoko where he has potential to hurt himself, um, and, and make his injury worse. But well, but again, this is good news, and we take th- and we take this little piece of good news and we build on it. Before we get into them, let's talk about bringing in some new players. Obviously, you know the usual suspects. We've already talked about them. Mm-hmm. Ox, um, supposedly. We're closing in on a deal for Ox. I mean, there's been talks that, you know, Arsenal saying there's no way we're getting rid of him. And then the next day, looks like we're close to coming to well, deal he with wants, them. He wants Costa, he wants Costa money. Yeah. So, I mean, Whether I don't that's know. true or not, who knows? I just think one that's really interesting, you know, this Danny Drinkwater rumor is not going away. I just want to, you know, just put it out there. And this is how shitty the transfer market is this time around. Blaise Matuidi got sold to Juventus today for eighteen million. Eighteen million. That, how do that's, we? That's one eight. How did that? A player of that quality. How do we let that deal slip under our nose? I, I don't mean, know how, how we didn't know. And but you know the, the the sad part is that Danny Drinkwater is going to cost Emmanuel Matic money, and Bla- we could buy two Blaise Matuidis for that <laughs> and still have some change. You know, like oh, we could. Man. It, that that's a joke to me. But another name that's you know hasn't been linked with the club yet just because this news broke out earlier today we're recording this on thursday julian draxler's transfer listed to psg and and the price is around the 32 million mark i think every major club in europe is going to be in a tug of war for him because Mm -hmm. he's one of those players that just has this natural gift right um and he's young and he's young and and you know he's he's versatile he could play in the center of the midfield three um he could play you know, again, in the midfield three on the wing, mm-hmm. he could play up top. And he can play on the right or the left very, side, too. He, he's very useful. Um, I think Chelsea should go balls out for this guy. I really do. I think we should put all our eggs in his basket and really, really go for it. Um, I think I that, think if we can get him for $35 million, it probably – I mean, I doubt he'll go for 32 I honestly think it'll be like 32 in add-ons, which will be somewhere near 40 It I mean, anywhere between 32 and 40 I think that's like – it's un like looking if we we would look back on that transfer in three years and say wow that's a hell of a what deal. a bargain well what a bargain. especially in this transfer window I mean you're looking at left wing backs you know a Kyle Walker sells for fifty million you're telling me Julian Drax you're telling me Kyle Walker is twenty million dollars <laughs> better than yeah. Julian Draxler and Alexandro I mean Juventus just turned down a bid for seventy three million. Yeah, for Alexandro. I, I think mean, the only way we're gonna get him is if he hands in a transfer request, and he already said that he wants to stay at Juve. Yeah, I think I, I, I think honestly think we need to look at alternatives. I mean, Julian, which Draxler, we should have been doing for I mean, the longest time. I don't know if Jaxler could play as a wing so. as a wing back. No. I really don't. I think he'll be possibly replacing Pedro in a front three, Jaxler, Hazard, and Morata. I mean, don't don't quote me on this, but oh God, that's like. Dirty. That's nice. Was, yeah. yeah, I mean, it could be one. There's of the no best. other word, right? It could like, be one of the best uh, front three in Europe now that uh, yeah. now that Neymar's gone and Luis Suarez is hurt in Barcelona. You know, that, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a good gone. shout. Yeah. So moving on to uh, our preview of the Tottenham match, um, we play Tottenham on Sunday at Wembley, a ground that I'm just gonna throw this out there, a ground that Tottenham does not have a good record at. Mm-hmm. Um, now I was reading a report that said, you know. They're having trouble selling out the stadium for this mm. match. So uh, half-empty Wembley sounds pretty good to us, right? Um, but we'll be without Cahill, Fabregas, Pedro, Hazard, and possibly Bakayoko. So mm. 
And if Bakayoko does play, he won't be 100%. No, no. I, I honestly don't think he'll start. I don't think... I, mm. I think Conte's, you know, aware of his situation. So, um, with all those guys out, you know, that leaves us with a lot of question marks on, like, how our team's mm. going to look this next week. Well, I don't think there's a lot of question marks in in terms of center back. I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, we got Rudiger and Christensen on the bench that could, you know, do an awesome job at center back. Dave is also, I mean, Victor Moses is also back, which means Dave could play as his right center back. Um, but the main question mark is, you know, who's going to replace Fabregas? Who's going to play next to Conte in that midfield? Um, so we have a list of names here. Some, we're just going to go through it and, mm-hmm. you know, just g- give me your take on some of these names. I'll give you mine. And then at the end... We'll talk about our picks. So the first name I have on this list is Andreas Christensen. Now, before you get all up in arms, whoever's listening, he did play a little bit of center defensive mid at Gladbach, and he did hold his own. He's good with the ball. He's technical. He's mobile. He's good range of passing. He might be able to fit the build for a match or two. I'm only saying no uh, because I'd rather have him play center back than the next name you're about to read. So... So the next name is, and this is probably one that most Chelsea fans would want to see next to Conte, uh, David Luiz. Yes. Um, he did play a lot of center defensive mid uh, in the Di Matteo era. Um, but, you know. I think that's honestly I know, I know his natural position. You love though. David Luiz. So I, I'm, I'm really not surprised to hear you say no, that. No, I mean, it's it, it is a love-hate situation. I mean, though he is you know a fiery player um he plays with a lot of heart mm-hmm. and um you know he's great at set pieces he's just you know he's he's good at giving that long ball um but i mean all of these characteristics they don't really you know i make all these characteristics doesn't sound like a center back um it sounds more like a center defensive mid he tonight. does have a lot of natural you know qualities to play in the middle of yeah you know i mean he always likes he likes to push up with the ball you know on his feet Mm -hmm. and uh i think that that would probably be better suited um into the center defensive role and like you even said um center defensive mid role but you even said that um you know we don't have cahill playing this week um i think with victor moses coming back we would have aspliqueta playing at the center back again um, but it's going to be tough still, like just trusting him with, uh, I'd rather have Rudiger Christensen and, um, Dave in the back yeah. and, uh, you know, bring back Victor Moses. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see, cause I mean, even though Fabregas is out, um, well, he, I, think, I don't think that he, he should ever play at the, that, you know, in that position ever again. He just didn't look good next to he, Conte. He, he cannot play in a midfield too. No, I mean, he, he has, can't. yeah, he needs to, he, he needs, needs to be higher up. He needs to have protection behind him. But one player is not going to do that. Yeah. But I, I mean, I still think, I think honestly going forward, not just this game, I would love to see David Luiz transition to center defensive it's an interesting take uh, you know yeah, me, and, uh, me and my dad are actually even talking about that this past weekend he he's not a chelsea fan but he watched the game and he noticed how many times david Luiz missed his mark <laughs> well that was that game is definitely taken out of context yeah I mean, he had a great year last year but another name that you know seems to be a favorite amongst chelsea fans is masanda mm-hmm. um i'm gonna go on a little rant with this one i don't understand it um He's first of all, he's an attacking flair player. He's a natural winger. I don't think there's any room for debate on that. Or maybe he can play the ten. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But definitely not in the midfield too. You're looking at you gotta look at Tottenham's midfield. Whether it's a combination of Eric Dyer and Dembele, or whether it's a combination of Dembele and Wanyama. That's big. We're gonna get we're gonna get ran through. Like last year, Matic and Conte got ran through. No way Musanda is gonna be able to hold his own. Spurs love to play a high press, high energy game, and they're very very physical, especially in the middle of the park. I I for the life of me, I I, I don't understand it. And I sat there while I was writing the script, and I thought of it, and I I can't, I can't think see of, that. I, I can't, can't think of work. a reason to play him there. No. Um. So I mean, th- this kind of ties in with my pick someone that i could see playing there is dave and you know call me crazy but he's the captain for this match cahill's out 
He's going to be the captain for this match. And what do captains do? They do exactly what the team needs. And right now, the team needs a defensive midfielder, a player that has experience, um, a player that has will, um, someone that has an engine that could run forever, and he could make heads roll. And Dave is that guy. Um, yes, he's not a natural midfielder. And no, I don't think he has a future in the midfield by any stretch of the imagination. But as a captain, it's your job to do what the team needs you to do. And right now, the team needs someone to play next to Conte this next match. Um, I don't think he's going to start the match, but if I was if I was Conte, I would definitely be considering this. I still think David Luiz is going to start at, at uh, next to Conte. Uh -huh. I think that's inevitable. I um, think especially for this uh, matchup against Tottenham that, um, that David Luiz is the better fit for this matchup. Just um, the physicality aspect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you, you mentioned it when you were talking about Masunda. But um, I, I'm still, like I said before, I still think that moving forward that we should strongly consider playing him at, at that role, you know, on a, on a uh, normal basis. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I definitely agree with that. But there's a lot well, of... So we, I'm, we're going to have to see it. There's Actually, it'll be an ex it'll be an experiment, but I, I want to see it. I don't know if I agree with that. I think he could do a job for, you know, an extended run of games, maybe like a game or two, like he could deputize. But I don't think, I don't think he's the first, second, third, or fourth choice as our center defensive mid. Um, I just, I don't really see it. That's true. I mean, now when we have Bakayoko come back, I, I maybe he won't be playing in that. Mm. That's 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 a good point, but you know, um, I think that I think that he's better suited for that position. There, so. there's a lot of there's a lot of things that need to come to fruition for Chelsea to possibly nick a result. Yeah. Um, and I and I we talked about this before, and you laughed at me, but we need to go full on Jose Mourinho in this next match. We need to we need to sit back. We need to absorb pressure and hit them on the counter. Three, four, maybe five shots. Or attempts mm -hmm. one, all match. One goal. <laughs> Nick a goal. Maybe walk away with a one nil. Um if we would, I'll tell you right now, if we walk away with a with a draw, I will be very it'll be like happy. a win. Yeah. It would honestly be like a That'll win. That'll be a win in, in um, You know, another thing is William and Murata played exceptionally well and they were the only source of any creativity we had against Burnley. And I think that they're gonna be pivotal in this match. If one of them is not firing, we won't have a chance. It's that simple. Um, we don't have options, especially in the attacking roles, um, options with reputations and options that we could rely on. And those are those are our guys this next match. Yeah. Um, another thing our team needs to do. And, you know, we this kind of goes without saying our defense mm -hmm. needs to perform a lot better. Um, I mean, we got however, dominated in the air by Burnley. Yeah. And, and now Tottenham has they're going to have Harry Kane, Dele, Dele Ali up there. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be those are two guys that are elite in the air. So. I mean, whatever, however our back three ends up looking, uh, they're going to have to be extra careful in uh, marking their man. They, they can't be forced to ice uh, on many isolations as well. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a tough matchup. But like you said, you know, if, if, but if, if they're able to nullify Delali, uh Kane and Eric, all they have to do well, is, is, is nullify one of them. And I think the most important one to nullify is Christian Eriksen. Right. Because he's their supply line. I, I, not to uh, talk well about a Tottenham player, because I would never do that, but did you see that uh, touch that Eriksen had when he got the ball on the right side of the field and just flicked it back over his head? Eriksen. Oh, man, that er was... Uh, I mean, that was disgusting. That was awful. I, I would never say anything nice about a Tottenham he's, player. He, he's, he's one of the players that... You would never I, say it out loud, but you'd say it inside your head. But I low-key right? really envy him, and every single time it's my transfer window in FIFA. <laughs> I always, like, I'm scrolling it through this list of players. It come back to FIFA, huh? And I'm like, dude, <laughs> if he wasn't on Tottenham, I would have snatched him up already. He's just, he's he's top class. But, you know, we're talking about things that are going on on the field. I think a huge, huge reason why we didn't perform well against Tottenham during the regular season was because Pochettino is is fantastic when it comes to yeah, he's a smart smart guy. No, it's hard for you to say something nice about him. I mean, I hate Tottenham <laughs> just as much as the next guy, but 
Pochettino's a ridiculously talented manager, and you know he's very tactically um, aware, and he's when he gives role when he gives specific jobs to his players, very very similar to Conte. They perform it to a T. Mm-hmm. He's very very precise in the tweaks he makes on the pitch, and I think a lot of this match, if we do nick a result, is going to be made on a training pitch. How will we prepare for this game? Conte has to outwit Pochettino times 10 because we don't have the creativity of Hazard. We don't have the experience of Fabregas. Yeah, and he was also dealt a you know, yeah, really bad hand because you know, yeah, we have just, all these injuries. It's just injury and, crisis. Yeah. It's really crippling us right now. But, you know, again, we're going to go back. The Spurs have a terrible record at Wembley. Maybe that curse will continue when we play there. Um, I really, really hope so. But... Uh, give give me your prediction for this one. Uh, I can see it turning out a bunch of different ways. Um, I think I'm gonna do my optimistic prediction. Say it'll be a one-one draw. Oh, see, that's I think that's realistic, but I don't think it's no, probably not gonna happen. probably not gonna happen. Yes, yeah, so I'm not really optimistic about this one. I think I think a draw is as good as a win for us. I think if I think I don't I'm not going to put a number on it because I don't want to say over oh, to lose 2-0, but I don't think we're going to pick up any points this match. If we pick up a point, I'll celebrate like it's a win and If we if we week. win, it will 100% because of William and Murata though. And if they step up and they're able to, you know, I mean muster like two goals, three goals just by themselves, I mean that's going to be enough that's to win it. for a lot. Yeah, I mean, but still, you saw them. You saw if them they, score two goals with nine men last week. I mean, if, there's if, it's it's possible. If they nick a goal in this match, if we score one goal, one is enough to win. <laughs> Realistically, they got to do their part. They got to nick us one goal. That's it. And then the defense has to do their part yeah. for the rest of the match. And but, I, I mean, I I I, I said this uh, before the show. I don't know how much Zach agrees with me. Um, I mean, but I think Conte was kind of. Uh, N'Golo Conte was forced into this, but he took four shots last game and none of them were on target. That really, um, that's really eating at you, huh? I, I, yeah, that, that, I just very, because the shots were not, they were not nitpicky. strong. Like it was just like, I well, don't know. That's not his role. I think that if I was uh, Conte, Antonio Conte, I would probably tell him to look at better, look for other options. But but the thing I think is, he was forced into a, a lot of situations. I have so to I, can't. I, I have to disagree. I I think Burnley sat back. And I think they gave us a lot of space in the midfield. And you're a professional footballer. If you're open, you shoot. Um, I think that's as simple as it gets. Maybe he's not. He's not very good at shooting mm-hmm. from distance. But, but he. But he's he's made it a couple times. Yeah, I agree. He, he kept us in that fake up against yeah. Man U. But <sighs> keep your heads up, Chelsea fans. I mean, I mean, I guess that's the moral of this podcast, right? Like. Mm-hmm. We're not in a crisis. Don't worry about it. If anything, we're in an injury crisis. Yeah. Not a transfer crisis. If anything, if a anything, Conte crisis. we can only trend up from now. Exactly. Exactly. I think that I think we've already hit the lowest point of our season, and hopefully, based on <laughs> you know last season, um, with this same squad that has the same that has a very similar DNA to last year, mostly the same. Um, when we were at our lowest point last year, we put together, you know, an eleven-game unbeaten run and marched our way to the Premier League title convincingly. So, with that being said, keep your heads up. Um, I have one more question for you though, Sam. So, mm-hmm. so before we sign off, um, I just I I needed I I need to know this. Okay, <laughs> I'm having I'm having some personal issues. Um. <laughs> personal and, issue and i need okay. your and i need your opinion so um what do you think is easier to deal with uh diego costa or um how do i say this uh case of raging hemorrhoids hemorrhoids okay um i mean from I think, experience yeah from experience because i've definitely had one had hemorrhoids before um i think that the it will Diego Costa saga will uh not last as long, mm-hmm. but it will definitely be more painful. It will be more painful. <laughs> more, pain- <laughs> more painful than an Ebroy. Yeah. All right. See, that's exactly where we end the podcast. So um thank you guys for listening. Um please feel free 
we've gotten a lot of great feedback um this thus far and um we actually got a a lot of uh, twitter trolls and uh reddit trolls and they have been shut down with you know some pretty funny responses. Yeah. So um, thanks, thanks to all of you guys who have our backs. You guys. you guys are honestly the homies. So we um, got your back too. For any, for any, uh, you know, if you want us to talk about something, answer any questions. If you have a shenanigans question, whatever it may be, um, email us. Uh, We're waiting. Romans Empire at gmail dot com, or excuse me, Romans Empire Pod at gmail dot com, and then our Twitter is uh, Romans Empire Pod. Um, so please, we're, we're waiting. We are just we like a, we are waiting, all, just like literally. A I sit on my computer, ready all, to burst. I just sit on my computer all day and refresh my email, expecting someone to send me something. And I don't get anything, <laughs> literally nothing. <laughs> but uh, please feel free to email us. And uh, until then, we'll see you next week. Uh, keep the blue flag flying high.